Hi, I'm Toby Hedden, a senior associate in Bristow's Brands, Designs and Copyright team. And I'm Charlie Purdy, an associate in our commercial tech and copyright disputes team. Slightly different team, but we have a copyright overlap. And this is one of a series of podcasts linked to our Designs and Copyright Review of the Year. And today we're going to talk about a decision of the Court of Appeal in the Racing Partnership and Sports Information Services, or SIS. We think this is a particularly interesting case because it concerns commercially valuable data, which in this instance is sports betting data. Now, with digital transformation, we're seeing exponential growth in data sets with businesses keen to explore new ways of realising the value both in their own data, but also securing access to other data sets through evolving data sharing ecosystems. And a good example of that is the demand for training data for AI systems. I think the key point here is that data is big business and the Court of Appeals decision that we're going to talk about is a good example of that. So for this podcast, we're going to focus on uh, one particular aspect of the Court of Appeals decision, um, which is the thorny area of how data can be protected. There is no single right that protects data and whether in fact there should be has been a right uh, a topic of much discussion recently. But what we presently have is essentially a, a sort of patchwork of different legal rights that it might be possible to rely on in different circumstances to protect data. So, Charlie, over to you for a bit. Yeah, so I thought it was just worth mentioning briefly a, a bit about the the application of data to sports generally before we go and talk on about the talk about the case itself. And data is increasingly having a, a huge role in how sports are played. Using football as an example, it used to be that managers made decisions based on their own judgment and information received from their players. How well do they think a player is playing? How does the player respond if they ask them if they're feeling fit? But now you see footballers wearing vests that, that track data about them. They track their movement, their distance traveled, speed, heart rate, exertion, all of that kind of information. And that statistical data shows the truth. Did they run as far or as fast as they usually do? If not, do they actually need to be rested for a game? And and that kind of data drives a manager's decision making in, in order to help the team win. Yeah, and of course, when you're talking about betting, data is essential to understand what odds to offer um, and how representative and accurate those odds actually are. Also, any deals on particular bets and, of course, what is actually going to entice customers to place more bets. And those decisions will be determined by the combination of a huge amount of data. So given the value of data and the amounts that are being generated by sports teams and betting companies, it's pretty unsurprising that companies want to protect it from being used by their competitors. And also that we have litigation and legal developments in the field. And I think we're likely to see a lot more of that on the horizon too. So Charlie, shall we um, get on and chat a bit about the case? Yeah, why not? So as Toby said, this is the Racing Partnership and Sports Information Services case. It's a core of appeal decision, but I think it's worth us quickly recapping the first instance decision in the High Court and the background to the case. So in brief, this case involved a dispute arising from a series of contractual arrangements to do with the provision of betting and horse racing data from racecourses to off-course bookmakers such as Betfred and Ladbrokes. The defendant in this case, Sports Information Services, or SIS, 
used to have the exclusive rights to collate that data at the courses and to supply it to those off-course bookmakers so that those bookmakers could offer odds to their customers that align with the odds being offered on course. And CIS lost that exclusive right, which went to another party, who is the claimant in this case, the racing partnership. Uh, but CIS carried on collating and supplying the data for a period of time anyway, even though they'd lost that exclusive right. And the data consisted of some numerical data, which was a representative price for each horse determined by an algorithm that calculates an average price from a selection of on-course bookmakers odds, and also some more general course data, which included, for example, uh, weather conditions, changes in jockeys, the conditions of the course, all of that kind of thing. And together, that data allowed those off-course bookmakers to offer accurate odds to their customers. Yes, and, and in the High Court, um, the racing partnership pursued a number of claims against this, including uh, claims for copyright infringement, database right infringement, and misuse of confidential information, which is a good example of the patchwork that we were talking about earlier of legal rights. Um, the judge in the High Court dismissed all of the racing partnerships claims except for misuse of confidential information, uh, finding that the live betting and horse racing data was confidential and that CIS had misused it. And CIS appealed that finding. So, Charlie, um, over to you again. Thanks, Toby. The, so the High Court found that there was no copyright in the data because there was insufficient skill, labor, and judgment involved in creating that data. It was actually just the result of a routine calculation uh, from inputting selected bookmakers' odds into an algorithm. So obviously the copyright claim failed there. And while CIS accepted that the racing partnership owned a database right in the database in which its betting information was collated and stored, the High Court ultimately agreed with CIS's arguments that it had not infringed the database rights. Firstly, that was because it had only consulted data that had been generated by an algorithm from the data compiled in the database, not the actual database itself. And secondly, in any event, mere consultation of data in a database is not an infringing act. That would require a, an extraction or reutilization of the data. And, and finally, the extension of the consultation made of the data was actually insufficient to constitute a substantial part of the database anyway. And the, the, the racing partnership's misuse of confidential, confidential information claim was actually the only successful claim in the High Court, but spoiler alert, the Court of Appeal didn't agree with that. The High Court found the fact that both the racing partnership and CIS before it were willing to pay such substantial sums of money for the benefit of the exclusive right to collect and disseminate information to off-course bookmakers was a strong indication of that information's confidential nature. The, the information essentially attracted confidentiality through its commercial value rather than inherently. Yes, uh, but as you said, Charlie, unfortunately for the racing partnership, the Court of Appeal overturned this decision. And rather frustratingly for us lawyers, there was a bit of a disagreement between the judges in the Court of Appeal on the important issue about whether data itself had the necessary quality of confidence. Um, and there's no clear answer to that question, I think. Um, one of the judges, Lord Justice Arnold, expressed the view that it was not so much whether the data was secret, but whether steps had been taken to render it inaccessible to the public domain, even if it was only for a short period of time, as was the case here. 
Conversely, Lord Justice Lewison was not convinced that the individual types of information in the relevant data could be confidential, um, really because it was already widely accessible in almost real time when it was broadcast on the television. Although he did appear to accept, at least potentially, that a compilation of that data could be confidential on the basis that the commercial value would lie in that compilation, if not the individual types of information within the compilation. And then there was a third judge in the Court of Appeal who didn't really express a particular view on this point at all. So we're, we're sort of left slightly uncertain as to what the position is um, and, and the extent to which uh, misuse of confidential information will offer protection um, of data itself. Yeah, but but ultimately, regardless of whether or not the data was confidential in the first place, the majority of the Court of Appeal actually concluded that CIS was not provided the data under an obligation of confidence anyway. Uh, CIS had spent some time investigating the contractual relationships in play and had come to the conclusion that there were no express restrictions on the sharing of the data. And even more importantly, CIS had received assurances and contractual warranties from the provider of the data that said that they were allowed to share that data with CIS. And in those circumstances, taking into account those factors, the majority of the Court of Appeal found it difficult to see what else a reasonable company in CIS's position could have done. They couldn't be expected to second guess the assurances and contractual warranties that were given by another respectable company. If that were the case, commercial life would be really difficult for all these kinds of parties entering into these types of agreements. Yeah, so in the end, none of the claims relating to the protection of data namely copyright, database rights, or even misuse of confidential information, were able to successfully protect it on the facts in this particular case. Yeah, but of course that doesn't mean that sports data can't ever be protected by any of these legal mechanisms under different circumstances. In fact, in each claim, there was some potential for the data to be protected that simply failed on the facts. And Really, in the end, a big letdown for the Racing Partnership's appeal on the misuse of confidential information claim were the particular contracts between the parties, uh, which didn't restrict the sharing of the relevant collected and compiled data. So perhaps one of the key learning points for sports organisations who might be looking to protect their data is really to ensure that their contracts are watertight and have those kind of restrictions in place. Yeah, I tend to agree, Charlie. And I think the range of legal claims that the Racing Partnership brought against CIS reflects some of the challenges that claimants typically face when looking to protect commercially valuable data, such as live sports data. Um, you know, leaving aside the challenges in trying to rely on copyright, while it may be open to a prospective claimant to rely on the database right, for example, to address online data scraping from sports websites, that's not going to work where a database has simply been consulted or where the data is being aggregated by other means, which could, for example, be by scouts attending sports events to collect the data in person and then exfiltrate it externally for, for use outside. Um, and even you know, when events organisers impose contractual restrictions on attendees to try and prevent that sort of activity, they're often very difficult to enforce. And I suppose this is what makes an action for misuse of commercially confidential information quite an attractive adjunct or alternative, if you like, claim um, and one that's potentially available against data disseminators and data users alike. Yeah, and I think no doubt there'll be more litigation on the horizon seeking 
to test the limits and hopefully provide more certainty to this existing patchwork of rights. So I, I think that concludes this podcast. We hope you found it interesting and thank you for listening. If you'd like a full copy of our designs and copyright review, please do feel free to get in touch with either Toby or myself.